Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Joe Porter. In the program this week, we talk to the Hurricanes centre Conrad Smith as the All Blacks make an emotional return to Christchurch ahead of the second test against Ireland, and we focus on the Olympics with the London Games less than six weeks away. We track the progress of the New Zealand Olympic team with chef de mission Dave Curry. We catch up with one of New Zealand's brightest gold medal prospects, single skull rower Mahe Drysdale. We talk to one of the two women who'll be the first female boxers to represent New Zealand at an Olympics. And we hear from the international accounting firm PricewaterhouseCoopers, who predict New Zealand will fail to reach its 10 medal target in London. Test Rugby returns to Christchurch this week for the first time since the February 2011 earthquake which killed 185 people and caused major damage to New Zealand's second largest city. AMI Stadium was significantly damaged during the quake, forcing the city's Super Rugby and 2011 World Cup games to be moved elsewhere. It was a devastating blow to the rugby-mad region, but on Saturday night the All Blacks will finally return to the Garden City for the second test against Ireland at the new Addington Stadium. It's an emotional return for the All Blacks after last week's demolition of the Irish in Auckland, and Steve Hansen's men are desperate to maintain their high standards. Veteran centre Conrad Smith spoke to the media about wanting to put in a performance to be proud of in front of the Cantabrian crowd, what it's like to be returning to a city that's still shaking, and how the All Blacks intend to lift their game. As most teams um, go about their business, you, you just uh, look at you know the areas to improve, and you know the coaches were pretty good getting our feet back on the ground after after that result and um, you know brought up you know two or three things they, they want us to do. Obviously the we thought the clean out, you know, I suppose it's the same as every team you you want to get that as um, good as you can and, and allow the team, you know, us in particular to play with a, with a bit of width and um, and you know defensively I, I think we were still caught a little bit narrow. We scrambled pretty well because I think we just play with a bit of energy, as you do in, in the first um, all-black test of a year, but uh, we weren't always smart and accurate with what we were doing, so I, I think those are things we're looking to improve. You well-contained uh, Brian O'Driscoll, didn't sort of see too much of him in the game. Sort of thoughts on, on, on their midfield and how they went about their business? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I know what it's like when, um, you know, your team doesn't really have ascendancy and, um, you know, we just want to make sure that that happens again and, um, you know, we didn't give them a lot of um, good ball from from their set piece, and you know that that's a big part of it. And you know, I think uh, set piece wise, we, we defended really well. Um, like I said, said before, I think we caught a little bit narrow at times, um, and you know, in the phases after that, and, and I think we sort that out. Then, you know, any midfield in the world's going to going to struggle to create opportunities, and you know, like I say, hopefully we can do that again. You've got Sonny alongside you again, second week in a row. The 2012 model, how does it compare to the 2011 one? Yeah, I, I think you know, he's playing great footy. 
you know, I think most people are aware of his uh, abilities and, you know, his skill set's uh, pretty amazing. So, you know, it's, it's great to play alongside, I must say, and you just see, you know, in a game that the space he creates, whether he's got the ball or not, you know, he's, um, you know, he, he just, the way he, he'll make a game on every time he carries it, um, you know, and what it does to a defence, um, tightens him up and, you know, everyone's suddenly looking at him and, you know, it makes things easier for myself and Izzy and, and you know, and wingers. So, you know, if we, if we can, you know, continue to build that, then, uh, you know, I think we'll create a, you know, a lot of chances for, for the guys out wide. How much does the dynamic change and difference, say, with Ma to Sunnyville? I mean, in terms of, we know Ma can make the advantage line as well, but Sunnyville's got that offloading capacity. Does that change how you sort of have to work with them? A little bit. I, I don't think it's as, um, as simple as that. Uh, you know, they, they've... You know, there's, there's a lot of other, um, you know, differences about the game, but I, I think, uh, you know, as rugby players, you you do, you know, you play with lots of different players, and, and you, you just have to adjust. You know, it's nice playing, um, having a, a lengthy spell. You know, like I did with May, play a lot of games, but you know, with Hurricanes, I had to learn to to play with, uh, you know, Timmy and um, a couple other second fives and. You know, you, you just got to adjust, and, and time in the seat helps. But um, you know, you, you, you just uh, you just have to adapt. I think, and that's what most of us have, um, have done around Sunday. Yeah, it's probably only those who have played the Lions that have played the same opposition three weeks in a row. Is it, is it different for you? Yeah, it is. Uh, and we were thinking, yeah, I think it was would have been the last time. And I mean, it, it has. It's. Uh, Good things because you don't have to, you know, look at a whole new team. You've sort of become um, a little bit more familiar with them. But at the same time, you know um, what they're going to be doing. They'll, they'll be working hard to, um, you know, change their game and, and adjust little things based on what they've seen um, from from what we did. So, yeah, it's it's quite interesting. It's something pretty um, new to all of us. And uh, yeah, I think we're. Hopefully we're coping with it all right. I suppose it remains to be seen. You were spooked by the shack the other night? Yeah, I was. I think uh, I was just about to leave bed, actually. I don't know where I was going to go or what I was going to do, <laughs> but I thought, if this keeps going, I need to get up. But uh, thankfully, it, it was it. No emergency plan in, in your head? No. I was going to run to a doorway, and then everyone told me that you don't do that anymore. So I was buggered. I don't know what I was going to do. Everyone should be rooming with the Cantabrians. <laughs> yeah, well, they all go and stay home, so they're not used to it anyway. <laughs> Conrad Smith. The Olympic Games begin in just over a month and New Zealand's contingent is all but confirmed with at least 185 athletes heading to London and possibly a few more. It will be New Zealand's biggest ever Olympic team and could swell to more than 200 if the men's and women's basketball teams qualify, although their chances are slim. The New Zealand Olympic Committee is aiming for 10 medals in London as they search for the country's 100th Olympic medal, although beating Beijing's nine-medal hall won't be an easy task. I caught up with Chef Demission Dave Curry to find out how the New Zealanders are tracking. What we're saying around medals is that there's no great secret to who's going to win medals. If you're not in the top two, three, four in the world in the previous 12 months, then it's unlikely to happen. The history says that it won't happen. In Before Beijing, we had uh, 11 or 12 athletes in that space. There's currently, you know, 20 odd athletes are in that space. So, significant number of athletes or teams have put themselves in the position uh, to perform. Now, what our role and their role is, and I talked earlier about creating and maintaining this high performance environment, that's what we've got to focus on. 
So they then get the potential to convert that promise, that opportunity. They've given themselves a chance. Can they convert it into a medal? So um, in, in Beijing, 11 or 12, nine medals, 20-odd. How many medals is that? I'm not sure. Um, but significant numbers have put themselves in a position to do well across quite a number of sports. So uh, Ashley mentioned earlier, we need 11 medals, 10 medals to get our 100s. Can't hope that'll happen. Um, we, if we go from there, um, you know, we can only speculate, but uh, a lot of athletes are in the frame. Have you given yourself a bottom line in terms of medals as to what would be considered a success, one of the largest teams ever going? Hmm. Ten medals, bottom line? We'd be disappointed if we didn't uh, get our 100th medal. Um, it would be fair to say that I think uh, yeah, people would be disappointed with that amount of potential if that wasn't reached. Um, but I guess we have to wait and see. And how much more than that it might be, again, uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. But... You know, if you look at what's happened over the last little while, athletes continue to perform well on the world stage and we've got to maintain that environment that gives them support to, uh, to do that. Do you think that the London environment, being somewhat similar perhaps to some of the climates and things that New Zealand encounters in terms of wind on rowing courses and many other different facets coming into it and obviously being a large expat Kiwi population in London, yeah. gives yeah. us... Yeah a better chance than perhaps in Beijing? Yeah, well, certainly better than Rio, I think. Um, yeah, I think there is a lot about that. 150,000 New Zealanders, you know, based around around London. Yeah, culturally, we're the same. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd think that it would be an advantage. Although, my experience with athletes going to the games is that they train somewhere, they come into the village, they go to training, they go and compete. You're in a, in a pretty, you know, artificial bubble in, in a sense. So where it is probably doesn't make a lot of difference. The perception is it's easy. organisationally for us it's easier. From an athlete point of view, I'm not sure it makes a lot of difference. You know, they're so focused in a very artificial bubble anyway. When we're in that bubble, whether we're in Beijing or or uh, or London or Athens, it's it's not a lot of difference. But I think there is just that sense and feeling that, you know, London, the links we've got to, to England and a lot of our forebears and culturally and whatever, so it's not a disadvantage anyway. Putting the logistics and organisational things aside, 44 days out from the Games, as an athletic group, as a sporting group, are things tracking nicely in your opinion? Yeah, I think, I think it is. Yeah, I, um, we spend a lot of time talking to sport, talking to high-performance sport in New Zealand, who obviously are monitoring you know, performances. If you look in the papers yourselves, you know, the, clearly the sailors uh, did pretty well in the regatta. It'd be interesting to see how the rowers get on over the next few days. Um, the equestrian continues to perform well. So all the sports that we, uh, we need to perform well uh, are currently continuing on that track. So, no, I think uh, things are looking uh, as promising as we would hope they would be. We talked about medals generally before. What about gold? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to speculate on gold. Um, but, no, um, gold medalists generally come out of athletes who are consistently performing uh, and winning on the world stage. And uh, it's seldom for gold medalists to come from nowhere. So you will be following the results uh, as I'm following the results. So those are consistently doing well. 
give themselves a far better opportunity to, to have a gold medal than, than others do. But the Olympics, you know, the, the 205 countries, the cauldron, the competition, the fire is, is extraordinary. The Olympic champion is still an amazing feat. Um, but, yeah, we would hope that we've got some that are still tracking and still consistently winning on the world stage, and they certainly give themselves the, uh, the best chance. We have a few young athletes going, some of them even in the prospective gold medal positions. You look at Lisa Carrington and some of the cyclists, the men's sprint team, for example. It's going to be such a grand event. Do you think the grandeur will be disruptive for people like that that are quite young and I guess haven't experienced anything like it before? Yeah, it's tough. They've certainly got some good leadership around them in those sports, um, and that helps. We will work with them when they come in the environment. And the thing is, to uh, come to the Olympics is not going to the World Championships. It's different. So it's important that they understand. They need to, and this is the, my experience has been that you get two, lots of athletes. Some come in and say, it's not the Olympics, don't care, it's just another event, and that's what I'm going to think it is. Those generally struggle because you can't close the Olympics out. They are what they are. So you need to be aware of them, embrace them, uh, acknowledge that's what it is, but don't let it overawe you. Now, that's tough. And so we certainly will work with and support athletes through that, get into the environment, have a look at it, absorb it, don't be over, overwhelmed by it, but acknowledge it, and then go on and do what you want to do. And the other ones that do well, you have a come into the Olympics with a plan and stick to the plan and don't be diverted by it. Yes, it might be the Olympics, it might be all or whatever, but no, I've got a plan, and I've done this the last three years, and it works for me, and I'm going to do it again. So you don't change your training or your patterns or your whatever, but acknowledge you're at the Olympics. So, yep, some ex wonderful challenges, some wonderful exciting opportunities for, for youngsters, and, uh, and about half uh, gold medalists do it at the first Olympics. Dave Curry, and this is Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Joe Porter. The five-time single skulls world champion Mahe Drysdale says he'll definitely row at the London Olympics next month. Drysdale was hit by a car while out training on his bike in Munich ahead of this weekend's World Cup regatta. Drysdale suffered injuries to his shoulder and hip. He spoke with Jeff Robinson and says while the injuries will keep him out of his boat this weekend, he'll be fine for London. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's a you know it's a semi-serious injury, but it's not. Uh, it's certainly not um, you know that threatening. It's it's sort of maximum of ten days out of the boat, uh, but hopefully uh, less than that. So yeah, it's um, it's something that that may keep me out of a racing this weekend, but. Uh, yeah, won't won't affect either, even my preparation or or racing at the Olympics. Right, that's good. What actually happened? Um, I was uh, coming through a roundabout, turning left, uh, and there was a car uh, stopped at the the giveaway sign. I I assumed that they'd seen me, and that's why they stopped. But uh, obviously they hadn't, and and uh, they they took off, and and I clipped them, and and basically bike went flying, and. And I uh, landed on on my side, uh, on my shoulder and, and my hip. So I've got a bruise on my hip, and um, I've got a, a an AC joint injury on my shoulder uh, just from from the impact of the ground. So you didn't actually hit the car as such. I mean, you but your body didn't. Um, your bike did, but you didn't. Yeah, like the yeah the the, the pedal in my uh, they hit me on the foot. Um, so yeah, it, uh, it was. Yeah, I've got a little bit of a bruise on my foot as well, but yeah, the bike took 
took the brunt of it, and, and mainly uh, the ground was what, what I took the brunt of. <laughs> and you, you actually are cycling because of a previous injury, is that right? I mean, that's one of the ways you, you keep fit. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's been because of my back that I, I do a lot of cycling now, and uh, you know, unfortunately uh, this is the second time that, that I've... Uh, that I've had a, a crash, and last year was sort of uh, well the day before we we raced at the World Champs. So thankfully, um, you know, it didn't affect me last year, and, and I'm hoping that it's uh, very unfortunate, but uh, maybe a bit of a lucky charm. You haven't given any thought to getting an exercycle, have you, and <laughs> staying in one spot while you're cycling? <laughs> um, yeah, there's definitely uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be on that for the next next uh, few few weeks. So I just put my bike on the trainer, but. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see after that whether um, you know whether I can uh, uh, manage to, to stay motivated doing that, or whether I'll have to, to get back on the road because I, I do find it's tough sitting in one spot, especially uh, you know, when you're in Switzerland. You've got got mountains all around you. You want to get out there and uh, ride on the road. Sure. So y- y- your morale sounds good despite this. So it's just a matter of getting on with life, is it, Mahi? Um, yeah, for sure. It was, uh, you know, obviously it was pretty scary at the time, and you know, I was, I was, you know, not a very happy boy yesterday. I'm pretty sore, and and you know, it's it's a bit hard when you don't know what's going on. But um, you know, I've, I've gone through all the scans and and had it all checked out, and the specialists uh, are pretty positive that it's, uh, you know, it's not a long term injury. So, you know, you just gotta gotta get beyond it and um, and move on and. You know, I can get back on the bike tomorrow. I will be on the stationary bike, so um, you know, there's no no chance of any more uh, more injuries, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll just just move on from there. But you know, it's certainly um, you know, Olympics are six weeks away, and and that's still my goal. And obviously, when I was lying on the ground, that was my my biggest concern, and and to have that uh, sort of taken away, um, you know, would have been absolutely devastating. So uh, to know that that that's not not going to happen, and and my uh, Basically, my preparation shouldn't be affected. Uh, you know, it's a, a huge relief. Mahe Drysdale talking to Jeff Robinson. Alexis Pritchard and Siona Fernandez will make history as the first female boxers to represent New Zealand at the Olympic Games. Pritchard and Fernandez were named by the New Zealand Olympic Committee this week after cementing their London spots at last month's Women's World Amateur Championships in China. The 27-year-old lightweight Pritchard is ranked 6th in the world, while the 29-year-old flyweight Fernandez is ranked 12th. I caught up with Pritchard, who's over the moon to be making New Zealand boxing history. I'm absolutely over the moon with the confirmation. I mean, I was at work on Monday when I got the call and I was waiting all day for the phone call. <laughs> and I had my phone on at work and I usually don't answer the phone during, I'm a physio, so I don't answer the phone while I'm treating people. But all day I was like, oh, excuse me, I've just got to take this call. And at about, I think it must have been about 2.30 or so, they gave me a call and I was massaging one my patient, talking on the phone, and I was like, oh, my heart was... Pumping. I was so excited. What are your goals for London? What do you hope to achieve and what will you consider a success? Um, success for me at London would be to get on the podium. Um, I, you know, I always have set my goals high and that would be successful. Firstly, I'd obviously need to win my first fight. That's always the biggest. If you can't get through the first fight, then you're not going to be on the podium. Um, so I want to finish on the podium, and if I can get into the semis, then I'd obviously definitely be striving for gold. You picked up the gloves five years ago, is that right? Um, no, I think I started boxing uh, nine years ago. And what drew you to the sport? Why? Um, long story, but 
the short version is I was playing hockey for a club and our goalie left to overseas. I volunteered, being the lovely person that I am, that I was going to be goalie for the season and I was absolutely useless at it. I think we lost every single game and I was demoralised and I was like, okay, well, let's do something else to get fit. And I was thinking about boxing. A friend of mine had said, oh, I do boxing. I was like, okay, gave that a go and just loved the training. Um, So I did fitness classes for about four or five months and it kind of just steamrolled from there, sparring, fighting, and now here we are. As a health professional, it seems somewhat at odds to what you're doing. (laughs) Yes, as a health professional, it probably is at odds to what I'm doing. But what about all the doctors and nurses and physios that play rugby? I I just like it to that, you know. I'm good at it and I enjoy it. And obviously there will be a time to stop, but right now it is not that time. Being a physio, does it help with management of your body and things like that? Um, I think it does to an... A, you know, a degree. I think all athletes want to push a little bit more than they should, and that has happened a little bit in the past. But um, I think as I've got older, I've got a little bit better at managing my body and injuries and niggles, and so probably a little bit more restrained now. Get a few more massages, which is always nice. And we have to talk about it: the Jamie Ridge <laughs> boxing match. Come on, a is it good for the sport or a farce? Um, the Jamie Ridge boxing situation is, I think, you know, in terms of, yeah, get in the ring and do it. It's, it's a challenge for anyone, but just don't do it in your bikini. You know, we've worked so hard to have us as amateur boxers valued the same as men, and getting in the ring in your bikini is not helping the people that are actually doing it as a sport. And is it frustrating considering the amount of money they're getting to do it and yet you have to struggle away to get yourselves to places like London? I mean, it is a little frustrating having people just throwing money at that side of the sport and making it kind of like a circus. But, um, you know, I didn't get into the sport for the professional side or the money side, so I'm, you know, luckily have a lot of support financially from people around me. And, I mean, we, we have struggled, but it's all the love. And London's going to be the biggest thing you've ever experienced. It's going to be absolutely massive. Are you worried about distractions at all, you know, bumping into Usain Bolt and forgetting you're, <laughs> forgetting you're supposed to be on your way to training? Um, oh, the, I'm sure there's going to be so many distractions in London, all these um, uber-famous athletes from all over the world. Um, I'm going to try my hardest to stay focused on my job. Um, you know, I'll, I'll allow myself the couple of, oh, my God, <laughs> kind of situations. Um, but, you know, I'm there to do a job, and once it's done, I can go nuts with, with getting autographs or whatever it is that I'm going to do. But a couple of years ago, um, Hamish Carter did a, a talk, and he was like, you know, you're there to do a job, focus on what it is, and try and do things as normally as possible. So have breakfast in your room rather than going down to the athlete hall, because that's not what you'd normally do, and you wouldn't normally eat 24 magnums before an event, so don't do it in London. <laughs> Just because it's there, don't do it. <laughs> it's taken yeah. a long time for women's boxing to finally get into the Olympics. Do you feel there's any extra pressure that, that you know you have to deliver to make sure it's worthy, I suppose? No, I'm trying not to put any extra pressure on myself mm. going into this event. I mean, it is, yeah, it's an historical event. It's the first time women's boxing's ever going to be there. And I'm sure the likes of someone like um, the Irish girl, Katie Taylor, she will be putting 
heaps and heaps and heaps of pressure on herself because she is the world number one and she's pretty much expected to win gold. So I think for me, you know, kind of like an underdog, I, I'm trying really at all not to put any undue pressure on myself that, I mean, it's, it's pressure enough. Why try and heap some more on just because you're expected to do well? I mean, we all want to do well and that's my ultimate goal, but not going to... I'm not focusing on the greatness of this event right now. <laughs> Maybe after. <laughs> Why does it deserve to be at the Games? Why do you feel that's finally given this due recognition? Um, women's boxing is, you know, it's been around for at least 15 years. Um, the athletes in in women's boxing, as any other sport, I'd say, we're committed to our sport. We train as hard as any other full-time athlete you know unfortunately some of us or most of us actually have to work as well and try and juggle it around um, we're graceful in the ring we're competitive and we're there because we love it and we've we've reached a level where I think people will appreciate what we do and, it, and it's time for e- equality I mean women's boxing is probably the only sport that's not got parity between the genders and I think it's time we're in the 2012 now come on let's let's just be equal Alexis Pritchard New Zealand will fail to reach its 10 medal target at the London Olympic Games according to a forecast by international accounting firm PricewaterhouseCoopers. The New Zealand Olympic Committee has set a target of 10 medals for the Games but the PWC predicts only 7 will be won, two less than the 9 in Beijing. The forecast was prepared by PricewaterhouseCoopers UK. The company's New Zealand managing partner of markets Bruce Bailey told Stephen Hewson what the major factors were in deciding the medal it's a prediction um, based on you know a mathematical model which which sort of takes into account history but then uh, takes into account a bunch of factors which which the firm thinks are important predictors so um, yeah but at the end of the day it's a prediction and, and uh, obviously one-off events can uh, or one-off performances could change it what are those factors that, that go into to making up this, this number? The factors that go into sort of how metal numbers change over time are, are really four things that they've modelled. One is population. Uh, two is average income levels by GDP. Three is whether or not the country was previously part of a, a large sort of communist bloc such as Soviet Union. And, and four is host country advantage. Um, and that's, I think, a big factor that, that seems to play out. Um, so those four things are modelled. Um, and, and then obviously the medal tables adjusted up and down depending on how those factors are seen or thought to be going to play out. Uh, I mean, the NZOC and Sport New Zealand are talking about New Zealand or tar- targeted to, to win 10 medals. Yes. How do, you, how do you think your forecast is going to stack up against that? Well, it, it, we'll see whether, um, whether maths and statistics can beat uh, passion and, uh, and pride. I guess, you know, I think we'll know the answer at the end. But what you do have to say in this, I think it is more, rather than look at individual specific countries and individual specific uh, predictions, look at it um, on the basis of is is the movement in the in the right direction and uh, are the countries that are seen to be going up going up and other ones that are seen to be going down going down over time rather than, than a, you know, is it going to be nine or seven? Although... <laughs> 
nine down to seven yep. is, is, a, is a disappointing trend if you're, you're looking at it from a New Zealand perspective, isn't it? Yes, it is. But what you've got to do is, is think of that in relative to, to other things. And you've got some very big rises in places like the US, uh, Great Britain, um, and some other countries, which, of course, put pressure on those smaller countries such as New Zealand. So at the end of the day, there's, you know, there's only a given number of medals. And uh, so all of these performances are relative in that sense. Much is made, too, though, of New Zealand sporting success currently. Though I think that the figure is we talk about having 22 athletes among the world's ranked in the world's top three for their, their various sports. Yep. How, how much of a factor is that? Oh, look, there's no doubt that New Zealand punches above its weight. I mean, we're 28th in the medal table, um, and the prediction is we will stay about that level. We are not the 28th largest or the 28th wealthiest country in the world. So... There is no doubt in any, in, by any uh, prediction, New Zealand uh, punches way above its weight, as does Australia at number five. And uh, so, no, New Zealand should should be and remain very proud of of what, where we where we play in the medal tables. Is it as much an economic forecast as well? Um, economics play a part because there is no doubt that that wealth uh, gives a country the ability to to invest in sport. Um, but wealth alone does not do it because, you know, you look at a country with a relatively low GDP per, per head, such as China, you know, which is coming up the middle table pretty fast. Um, so wealth alone is not a predictor, but certainly a country needs a certain amount of financial muscle to be able to uh, grow and develop the, the training regimes, the coaching, the nutrition that is necessary for elite sport. The host factor that you talk about, yep. I suppose, it's, it, in your forecast, it shows up with the, that China medal prediction, doesn't it? It, it drops away quite significantly. It, it, it's suggesting that the China on the statistics will drop by about 13. The UK um, should go up by 7. So somewhere in there is the sort of the host country advantage. It remains to be seen quite whether you, they get it right in terms of China because the amount of money and investment that China are pouring into sport obviously is continuing to grow. So I think over time, uh, that will play out in China's favour. This is not the first time you've undertaken this no. prediction, is it? How, how have your forecasts gone in the past? Um, I think, again, if you look at an individual country, an individual forecast, they're not always precise. Um, but but they, the, the firm feels that in a trend sense, uh, these are the, the most important factors and, and over time they will, they will play out. There is always variability in terms of, this, of, of, a, of an, a specific event or a specific year, which means that you know, in, 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 uh, over a one event period, we may get a different answer. Bill Bailey of accounting firm PricewaterhouseCoopers talking to Stephen Hewson. And that's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz. You can get the latest sports news anytime on our website, while we'll be back with the next web-only Extra Time show next week. I'm Joe Porter. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.